0: Wait, do you plan on painting your nails this entire time?
1: Well, i got to multitask. I don't have very much time. (laughs) All right. I can respect
0: that. Hey, guys, this is Rob, and welcome to question number 41. What should white people do about black tourism? It's my conversation with Derek Keith Rollins Jr., best known for his stage name, Reverend Doctor. Where do you live? The city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent.
1: What do you do for a living?
0: Lots of things.
1: Where's your office? Don't have one. How come?
0: It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> Why are you
1: wearing <laughs> talking to me? Who are you? Hot quiz, hot shot. You expect me to talk?
0: No, you have to, you have to, you have to, I don't pay attention. I don't know. Okay. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan. And for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people that I've met to try and get past what it is they do to find out who they are, why they do it and what I can learn from them. I'm joined as always by my wife. My friend, my nail painter, my... Ugh,
1: I was going to say your perfect color of nail polish.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: You stole what, my thunder.
0: What is the perfect color of nail polish?
1: It depends on the person and the time of year.
0: It's this time of year, mid mm. mid to late summer. You just painted your nails. What is the perfect color?
1: The perfect color for this exact moment in time is a kind of hybrid orangey-reddish melon color. Oh. Every August 13th, that is the perfect color. Unless it's not the 13th.
0: I am so glad we don't have to deal with sponsors because all this talking about the perfect color of nail polish is making me thirsty. And if we dealt with sponsors, I would be requested, inclined, persuaded, my arm twisted, strongly recommended that I tell you that Guinness is the greatest beer known to mankind...
1: you got to make your weird sounds. Ooh, whoop. I don't know. What is that <laughs> That works.
0: It's spilling all over the place. Can Who I review you Guinness? It's my fault.
1: Please do. Oh
0: my gosh, I am spilling.
1: Robert. I can't do anything right. Cheers. Slancha, It really is good. So good, it reminds me of mother's milk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's possibly the worst. One I know, so it's well. the
1: weirdest one. Yeah.
0: Okay, before we go in and in this podcast episode, for those of you that have been following along with this podcast, you know that every week we ask Sarah a question. Listen, I'm trying to make this podcast the most interactive podcast in the history of podcasting experiences. So that's done in a number of ways. Some of the greatest conversations I've had in my life have been over drinks in either a bar or a coffee shop, over a meal. And so that's why... I want this podcast to be done on location. This week's was done at Northern Coffee Works. Massive thank you to Northern. Another way I've been trying to make these as interactive as possible, I'm yeah. just pointing now.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying to make this. Listen, this podcast is interactive. Yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah, you yeah. know the deal. And that is done in a few ways. Every week, we ask Sarah a question. Those questions come from you, the listeners, and they come from one of a few ways. One, if you leave a comment, rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Five stars only. And in your comments, leave a question that we can ask Sarah. Or you can go to slash contact. You can send us an email there or we have the podcast hotline. You can call in, leave a message. The number is 612-584-9330. All this information is in the show notes of this episode. Now I'm talking really fast once again because I'm getting on a roll and I'm reading things and I'm saying things I know I need to say.
1: That's good for you though. Yeah,
0: here's something interesting. This week was one of the first times, it's happened before, but it doesn't happen all the time, someone texted in to the podcast hotline, which you can do. This week's question comes from Aaron in Michigan and they say, if you had to describe your perfect day, what would it look like?
1: Hmm. Depends on the time of year, but yeah. maybe that's all a part of it. Okay. I would wake up leisurely. Mm. It would be a perfect fall day.
0: Best time of year right
1: mm-hmm. there. The air is crisp and there's a hint of a chill, but not too cold that you're miserable. I'm wearing maybe a flannel or a light sweater. I leisurely get you, up.
0: That's what you went to bed with?
1: No. I'm building the story. <laughs> okay. I leisurely get up. Yes. At, I wake up naturally. Which would be... Something which, amazing. Whatever well, that is.
0: What time? I don't know. Oh. Doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant on the perfect Stop, day. Stop. You're interrupting oh, me. Oh, dang
1: it. I'm sorry. You're trying to add something, but you can't. I wake up naturally. There's a nice crisp bite in the air. I get ready for the day quickly. I'm having a great hair day. My skin is clear. I have a cup of coffee outside with Rob. And then we go and we have breakfast burritos somewhere. Tiny diner or Blackbird, preferably, because they have the best ones. Then from there, we go to an apple orchard and we steal a couple apples and we walk through the fields and look, they happen to have a winery on site and the wine doesn't taste like shit. Unlike so, most
0: local Minnesota wines. Yep.
1: Wow. And there's a live band playing and free cheese samples. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after having some wine and cheese and listening to the jazz band play, um, it's now mid afternoon and we stumble on an antique store. Small town. Dirt cheap prices. They don't know what they have. I find the perfect picture. Then from there, it's still early enough. It's time for a happy hour. I love a good happy hour. I hate full price. We have happy hour. Also probably Mexican food, but like a fusion Mexican food. Then from there, we come home. We uh, open the bottle of wine that we got at the orchard. And we invite some friends over. There's some Granny's Donuts from West St. Paul to go with the wine. And we have a bonfire. That's it. That is one of the perfect days.
0: You haven't gone to bed yet. I feel like you've given me every detail <laughs> leading up to bedtime. And then I go we're going, to bed. We've gone to the bonfire. No, house.
1: and then we watch an episode of Friends before bed. Unless I'm in another country, then all this is scratched. But that's uh, my perfect Minnesota day.
0: I have nothing. I don't bad. think
1: you could have planned a better day yourself.
0: No. I couldn't have. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for your question. I bet, I wonder if people could text a photo into the podcast hotline. I bet they could. I bet you could text a photo or even if you send like a video message in the podcast hotline. I had this this question. The question is, what would it be like if I set up a few cameras at some of these interviews and recorded it and put it on YouTube so people can see behind the scenes, just have another dynamic with that? And I wonder if people sent videos of them asking questions. I bet I would find a way to work in some of these intros at some point and add their... I don't know, just something something to think about. I'm just throwing that in the universe. Anyways, Aaron, thanks for your question. Okay, last week I sat down with Justin Charbonneau, who's best known as the electric guitarist for the band Soul Asylum. And we sat down and ended up having a great conversation over beers talking about identity. It was an, It was a great conversation. Uh, and that conversation came about because we were rehearsing for a band of his that I was playing in called Oklahoma. We were going to do some shows. Fast forward, a few days later, we end up playing a show at uh, this North Loop Festival. Mm. Is that something that's been around for a while? A few years. Put on in a parking lot, downtown Minneapolis. Uh, it takes up like a half, half a block. After we loaded in all our gear backstage, I was sitting listening to one of the other artists that was playing before us, and his name was Reverend Doctor. And I was I was listening to him, I was f- totally fascinated by some of the stuff he was saying. One of the things that hit me most, not even about his songs, was some of his talking in between. He told this story uh, that we're going to dive into in this conversation. But he told this story that was... Totally captivating to me, and talking about how he is uh, black or African American, but he also has all these other ethnicities inside him. He went on to talk about mentally of what what goes into this thought of being an American, being an African American, but also uh, an Irish American, and also a Native American within him. And he went into talking about how you know he, he said my people came over and stole the land from my people. And then they went over to Africa and enslaved my people. And then my people did, and it just went on and on. And we're going to talk about it in this conversation, but it was fascinating to me. And as soon as I was hearing him talk, I said, I I need to sit down. Even Justin, before we had this conversation, Justin and I talked on the last podcast about how awesome that was and how I should reach out to him. So I reached out to him, said, hey, you don't know me. I was going to talk to you after your set, but the second he stopped playing, torrential downpour happened. Everybody was rushing to get their gear put away, he grabbed his stuff when he was done, he jetted out so I didn't have a chance to talk to him, so I reached out to him and I said, hey, Reverend Doctor, I would love to sit down with you over coffee, let's talk about this. I would love just to hear your story uh, and just see where the conversation goes. He goes, all right, all my friends call me Keith, let's do it, let's sit down, and that's what we did. So here's my conversation with Derek Keith Rollins Jr., Reverend Doctor at Northern Coffee Works, downtown Minneapolis.
2: You know, just last week I was listening to this podcast, and this might tip my hand as far as, like, the things that I believe, but it's the Liturgist podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you know that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love and it. So Which one were you listening to? I was listening to the one on the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. The very first introduce- the introduction that I had to the Enneagram was last year. One of my friends, Mayata Major, she's a musician and uh, singer-songwriter here in Minneapolis. She's phenomenal, by the yeah. way. Oh, my God. She's so good. What's her
0: name? Mayana?
2: Mayana, M-A-Y-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N Y A D D A. Yeah, she's she's based out of here in the cities. Yeah. phenomenal. She plays a lot at Vue Carre. Oh, um, She occasionally uh, will be at the Dakota. Um, released a couple of different albums. Um, but anyway, she was the first person to introduce it to me last year when I was working for an organization called Youth Frontiers, which is another really cool organization here in the cities. You worked for Youth Frontiers? I did, yeah, for oh, about man. like eight months. <laughs> really, when, yeah. last year? Uh, this past year, yeah.
0: Did you know a guy named Dan Rodriguez? I never got frontiers. to work with Dan.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I, I heard, I've i heard a lot about Uh him. Was Preston working? Preston's still working there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Preston and I worked yeah. together. Yeah, I
0: know all those guys. Yeah, awesome. Through, uh, yeah, you probably didn't know Jorge Figueroa. Uh, well, he yeah, he there. left last year. Yeah, he left yeah. last year. He's yeah. one of my closest friends. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah I know all those guys. That's uh, so Jorge hard.
2: hired me, but I didn't really? get to work with him. Yeah
0: oh man that's so funny yeah what uh, a small world it is Dude, I when love you're that. in minnesota I, youth frontiers rules man
2: it, it does oh, uh, and she, she worked there with me when i was there but the, when we were trying to learn how to work as a team the conversation of the enneagram came up and so i was uh, corny's huge I was, into it huge i was trying to find the like, yeah, yeah these like what's my next podcast because i, I listened to a yes. ton of them yes and so i went through that one i was like ooh. Uh, Enneagram. I, I know yeah. a little bit about this, but uh, I discovered that I'm a nine, yeah, uh, which is the peacemaker. Yep. Because right when they were describing it, uh, they they th- say that your reaction to it is usually indicative of like yeah. which one you are. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when, uh, when they were describing number nine, I was this. like, ah oh, crap, that's me. Uh, uh, that be- is so funny. One of the things that they said is that the nine is based upon like. Uh, in a way, laziness, but your inner, <laughs> your inner like, you, like, calm, your inner peace, yeah. your inner, like, lake yeah. of just placid serenity. Yes. And so, I, I know that about myself, that, like, if I leave myself to it, I want to be as lazy as possible, and I yeah. want everyone around me to just be cool, man. Go with the flow. I just want Why everyone to, to just, like, have yeah. a good time. Let's
0: collaborate. Let's
2: collaborate. Connectedness. Um, and so... Becoming older and thinking about like what I want to do with the Reverend Doctor with yes. musical project what I want to do with life What I want to do what I have to say to people what I have to contribute yes. to the people around me what I should use my strong personality and my strong voice for you know that that seemed like the most natural direction and so In high school, it didn't really have an outlet like it was I, I obsessively drew all the time in college uh, That's where I finally picked up a guitar And I did tour and I played music, but it wasn't, I was collaborating with other bands with their material. I wasn't, I was performing my own music and my own songs, but it was largely like in a band context. And so I was always compromising on the message and the sound, which is fine. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to do that in bands. But Reverend Doctor is really the first time that I've had to actually take... My stock of what it is that I'm good at and figure out what do I want to do, what do I want to say and it's it's been a distillation of all of my strongest personality characteristics into uh, persona, that's how I kind of think of Reverend Doctor, and and so that's why, yes, you you get that vibe it's because that's who I am, but honestly in thinking and digesting all of these different ways that I learn and the people that I know mm-hmm. and the associations that I've made the organizations yes. that I've worked with, with Youth Frontiers I'm like what is it that that speaks to me the most and that's that is that connectedness piece, that yeah. is the peacemaker I I remember I was 13 my mom kind of remembers this conversation, I was 13 years old and I was, I don't, even, I don't even think it was anything significant but I think I was just thinking about my friends and like I was getting older and you're coming online and like mm-hmm. a very intelligent intellectual thing when you're like yeah. 12, 13 and you're a freshman or entering high school or an eighth grader and i remember thinking i'm supposed to be a bridge that's the thing that i do best is is connect people that have completely disparate understandings of the world and it's because i exist in a lot of middle spaces being black growing up in iowa which is very very white um being an artist but coming from a scientific family Mm -hmm. um thinking about, like, the fact that I have a background in faith, but I am absolutely the kind of person that does not want to exist inside a church. Like, I, you know, probably
0: got you to the liturgist. That's absolutely yes. what got me
2: to the liturgist. Um, and what originally connected me to Gungor as a band, oh, I would say. Yes. Um, you know, I, I have always been searching for a way to include. Yeah. Um, and I think that a large part of not just my generation, uh, I'm 34, it's not telling too much but um I think a large part of people that have been attending faith based I don't know organizations like church or whatever are trying to figure out like this doesn't feel good what we're yeah. doing to other people. Yes. How do we this isn't <laughs> like Something what about I this understand. Isn't working. 100% <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent what what is it that we are then if we're not this thing that everyone yes. everyone else is so certain that we are, which is very exclusive mm-hmm. where yeah. I feel like are we, if we continue down this, are we just ending up
0: making more of a bubble where we just are preaching to the choir? As, yeah. Even as a cliche as that is, but like we're just, I'm only hanging out with people that agree with us and we just are creating like a community of like
2: completely separate from the rest of the world. Which how, I don't know. I, I mean, even uh, if you have a very secular understanding of love, even if you have a very Hollywood understanding of love, I feel like that even that mm-hmm. isn't that definition of love. You know, I, I have a hard time thinking that that of making that connection. You know, with
0: you're saying even the with the Hollywood version of love, uh, you don't even see that connection with what's happening. With with church. yeah, yeah,
2: I don't want to go no, on a huge no, church, church totally, tangent. Totally, yeah. Uh, mostly because uh, I don't think I'm the right person to have that conversation. I I just have a very personal association with it. I'm not thinking about it like. People like the the liturgists do much better job. Man,
0: seriously. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Sure. In your in your journey, because you are the expert of your story, was there what was there a moment or like a season of life that led you to? I don't want to say questioning seems a hard word, like such a hard word. But was there a season of your life that you started? thinking about things differently, like you're saying right now, what led to that? Uh,
2: You know, there's this weird phenomena that happens to all black children when they go from being, like, adorable black children to intimidating black adults, Uh, and it was in that period when you go from being, like, cute to, like, being a threat, Uh, because when I was a kid, I'm very intuitive as far as, like, I I feel like I'm pretty good about reading things like body language and... um, Reading a room, yeah, and I remember this period of time when I, I I did that, where I started. I could tell it was probably about my sophomore year of high school mm. because I was always super tall and super skinny for every age. That I, I don't was. know how that goes. I was six yeah. foot three <laughs> yeah. in the eighth grade. Yeah, like that's how tall I was. And so I remember like when I started finally filling out, like yes. gaining more muscle, um, that, that a transition happened. Mm-hmm. And I remembered very much like. My friends would be treated one way my mm-hmm. white peers and Ames, and then I would be treated a different way. I remember we were on a, a AAU basketball trip mm-hmm. and uh, one of my friends, uh, Matt Kinker, uh, he walked up to me. We were in a record store like a Sam Goody or something mm-hmm. like that. The whole team was like all the rest of the crews, like, all around the store. They're, they're, like, up towards the front, like, yes. looking at the records. Yes, I know the,
0: Yes, hanging out. Hanging out. Mm-hmm. I, go, go out. I go
2: to the, the posters, because yes. I love the poster section at that, uh, because I love all the giant, just, like, mm-hmm. awesome, moody photography. And so I'm in the back of the store, and, like, the person at the front, like, blew by all of my friends in the front of the store, goes back and is like, hi, is there anything I can help you find? <laughs> and, like, one of my buddies, Matt, he, like, walked up to me. He was like, did you notice how, like... He totally blew straight past us and went straight towards you and asked you if you need any help. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that happened. I mean, like, even my white peers were seeing things happening occasionally. Okay, when
0: your reaction right there, was that something of, this happens all the time, so I'm not even noticing it anymore? Or or was that more of a, on the front end of starting to notice it?
2: Uh, That was on, I would say at that point, the front end of starting to notice it. Um, You know, when you're in class, like, there are ways that my parents knew that people treated me different. Um, I remember my mom having conversations with me, like, trying to get teachers to hold me accountable for my schoolwork. Again, peacemaker, yes. easygoing person. And so I was, like, teachers yeah. loved me, yeah. frankly. Like, I was yeah. super assistive not in class. Problems. Not causing yeah. pop, Just yeah. would, like, make sure that everyone, yeah. like, was, like, cohesive and getting along, yeah. that no yes. one was left out if someone was sitting in the corner. You want my
0: stuff done? I can, just, yeah. like, I can turn in early if you want. Yeah, what do you, what absolutely. do you need? Just yeah. let it So, happen. Yeah.
2: so she, the thing is that, like... Uh, teachers she remembers like she would be like he's just such a pleasure to have in class and mm-hmm. like she'd be like yeah but how is he doing on this schoolwork? work well let's not talk about that let's talk about how good oh, she's yeah. like you need to hold my son accountable yes and even things like that you know that she was paranoid about and rightfully so as far as like you know me being treated differently by adults but not so much peers um or even like the general public but it it reached a point like that then where that was at the beginning of it of noticing that things were beginning to change and things were beginning to become different and so i would say that um to your question like i i really started formulating that thought around that period of time that like Not only in public spaces was I being treated differently, but then, like, when I started becoming old enough to be involved in Mm -hmm. things in church, um, when my friends were connecting with, like, certain church groups. uh, This, I will omit, names of the accused, and (laughs) uh, mostly because they would be a part of groups that were absolutely that evangelical Christian crowd, and they would be super enthusiastic and into it, but I will say that there were things that made me really uncomfortable about being a person of color in those spaces. Not just like the way that they talked about um, things like the poor, things like uh, people that were different as far as like uh, LGBTQ, Mm -hmm. um, but also, uh, you know, anyone that was different than them, anyone that didn't believe. And you really, when you're sensitive to already being another, to being uh, different, you pick up on things like that and i remember starting to feel really unwelcome that although no one would ever say it to my face yeah. because they would say things like i don't even think of you as black mm-hmm. um that even despite that like the fact that you have to say that indicates that you have a feeling about blackness yes. um about some kind of way yeah uh, and so that is actually a very unwelcoming thing and eventually got to the place where it created, I would say, an emotional rift between my friends and I. One that I didn't process until much later in life, as far looking as like back on looking it, looking back on it yeah. and what was going on, was that I began to live a very different life than my mm-hmm. friends were living at that point. Uh,
0: Man, which is funny, not to interrupt you, but the, the, we were talking earlier about like filming yourself, mm-hmm. uh, like doing music or even like the podcast, listening back. Right. It's funny because life memories might be the same way where you all of a sudden are mature and you're looking back at right. situations when you're in the moment, you're like, ooh. I didn't know this is what that meant. Absolutely. I didn't know they were saying this and this is why you start looking backwards. So I just find that fascinating. Yeah,
2: it's really weird. So I absolutely can be writing with my white friends yes. that uh, I'm in the passenger seat and they're driving and we get pulled over and the cop asks me for my license and registration and I'm not operating the vehicle. And he can be there but like he, the way that he processes it is gonna be very different than the way that I process it. Your because,
0: friend who's driving. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? The
2: way that he's going to think and digest that, it, mm. it's probably going to be better that they observed that, but they still don't have all of the history. Like, they don't have the rest of my life that they've lived in those private moments. They, they're taking mm. a tour through that moment, and they can honestly oh. forget about it if they want to. So. I'm coming away like yes. having seen that, but uh, honestly, that's just another Tuesday for me. That's but it's pretty shocking and surprising to them, yeah. But and so I, I started living a very different experience than they did. And, and I would say that that's where the rift began for me was recognizing that the people that I was closest with, the organizations that I had the most time invested in, such as church, such as um, like community and things like that, largely misunderstood mm-hmm. who I was and um, the experience that I was living because there weren 't enough people like me there, and not only that, but there 's also concessions given, which rightfully so we don 't want to like assume everything wrong about every individual, but I definitely think that there 's a lot of systemic ways that which that 's one of those words that I try to stay away from, but there 's a lot of institutions built around. Um, treating people that are others, people, treating people that are different as those others, and ke- making sure that they stay mm-hmm. in that space as opposed to um, yeah. experiencing life the way the rest of the world does. Um, and rest yeah. of the world, I mean, white people. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, like, you know, well, having I was the kind of kid where I most of my friends were women, mm-hmm. uh, not just because I was more comfortable around my sisters, but also because I don't. I don't think that I exude, like, a traditional sense of masculinity. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, even even watching, like, my white female peers' mm-hmm. experience, like, is still not even um, a level of privilege that sometimes they even understand that they're missing out of. Oh, you know, being, being is, a woman, they're, a, they're a woman. missing
0: out on the privilege that, Yeah, yes. they,
2: they, they still, it's really uh, funny how, like... For example, I worked for an organization that's literally right down the road here um, It was an i t consultant and it would be in the room with um, women much smarter than I am that are coworkers mm-hmm. who would say a thing and are like have the client be like no nah, no nah, i don't think that that's a thing <laughs> yeah. and then i would say no that absolutely is yeah and maybe elaborate a little bit yeah and they'd be like oh okay yeah okay <laughs> like, I'll <trust>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? and just like yes. you know i mean even though that they were white women it's still like a male privilege thing that like i you know and i would point it out later and they wouldn't even observe that they yes were, they were like Oh, you're right. I guess that I'm so used to being, yeah, you know, overlooked that way. Which is exactly
0: what you're saying earlier. (laughs) Of you're talking about, this is just part of my life. Yeah. Oh man, your comment of taking a tour, someone, you're just taking a tour through this, Mm -hmm. is so heavy and such a great statement Mm. of that is. It just, it's just, I'm just connecting with that because I wonder... Well, here's a question out of that. When you are living in your situation and something happens uh, where you find... S- you realize that someone else is just taking a tour through mm-hmm. this situation. How does that make you feel? I guess that's it. That's my question. How does that make you feel? Does it? Is it um, do you feel uh, like, oh, yeah, you're finally seeing it. You're finally seeing what I go through all the time. Mm-hmm. Or is there a sense of... Uh, man, don't belittle this situation. Don't act like because you're seeing this right now that you know the scope of... It's what, a little bit of both. What is that like? What, I'm, just, I'm just curious, having never been on the side of someone, seeing other people just take mini tours through your life sure. and see the little things, what that's like. It's a little what bit that's
2: like. of both, you know, and it depends on the individual. I had a friend, a really good friend, Lori. We were really good friends my freshman and sophomore year mm-hmm. of college. Spent a lot of time together. And I would say of all my friends, she was the most observant about things that would happen okay. to me that again, I would just forget that was like yeah. even a thing that was in ex- a different to my yeah. experience, uh, you know, a situ- like the way that a waiter talks to me or mm-hmm. the way that, uh, someone regards me in a public setting or the way that someone treats us when mm-hmm. we were together. And she would always observe, she's like, do you think that happened because you were black? Yeah, she would always say that, and <laughs> does I it make
0: you feel like weird, or were you close enough where you were like you entered into the conversation? Oh, yeah, were. I'm a very open person. I would so say fun. even
2: someone I have a casual relationship with, I wouldn't be. It's very hard <laughs> it's to soft. offend me. Yeah, um, mostly because I love directness. Yeah. I love uh, sort of a, you know. Gloves off approach to conversation in life, which is funny. Being a nine on the Enneagram, being a peacemaker, mm-hmm. that
0: you still appreciate uh, like directness. It's because it, to me seems like it'd be
2: opposites. It, it actually is. I had to learn that. Okay, um, so to answer your question, and then hopefully go back yeah, to the first man, one. Like I said, no, I'm just distract you and go all the uh, different ways. Uh, so coming up in my family, my dad. He grew up in a very rough neighborhood yeah, in yeah. Kansas City, Missouri. And I remember he had a really difficult time connecting to me as a kid because I was so passive, Mm -hmm. because I was so, you know, traditionally weak for a man, for a male. And he really took me under his wing and tried to show me how to be able to do things like stand up for myself, how to have a conversation how to treat myself and carry myself in the world that I needed to be able Mm. to do in order to be able to even be standing or sitting here before you right now because he knew that the world is tough Mm -hmm. and I was not and so he used sports thankfully I eventually connected with sports yeah because I would not have learned the skills I present I think as a three Okay. I would say that uh, the things that I've learned in my career and in my. Um, if you were to look at actually my conduct and actions, mm-hmm. you would probably peg me as a three.
0: Yeah, but. Which is, I'm, I'm blanking I think that's on the The achiever, the achiever, isn't achiever it? yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: it, it absolutely is, I, I think, a way that I present that I, I behave, yes. but I have learned to behave that way because of the things that I learned as a child under my father's direction and honestly my mom's direction too but also being in the world that I was recognizing that man no one's going to do this for me that if I want to if I want to play basketball yeah. like I've got to I've got to be better yeah. like way better than anyone else so that they give me a chance mm-hmm. because no. At the time growing up in Ames, there was a lot of politics around uh, like sports and who got played and who man, didn't. Man, I
0: grew up in Nebraska, and my yeah. wife grew up in Iowa, and I 100% know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a that lot of small
2: town mentality, man. Yeah, it's not about who's better, it's about yeah. who. What, what connections you have and yes. what association. And yes, 100 so, and, and recognizing that okay. and having... I, I got lucky that there was someone in my life, people in my life, um, that were able to be examples of Mm -hmm. that strength, of that uh, sort of drive and tenacity. Because if I had never earned that, I would probably still be in that town just working whatever job Mm -hmm. fell into my lap because I didn't want to make waves. But I had to learn that. Uh, And so I I think that you're right, that is an antithesis, but it's something that I've learned, and not only that, but something I've taken ownership of, and it is instinctual for me. In fact, I love... The reason I love confrontation, because as a nine, I've actually found that it allows us to get to that place of peace faster, Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is actually, yeah. that, that's the way that as a nine, I've, oh, I've like, yeah. I've made uh-huh. peace with confrontation mm-hmm. is this idea that if I know how you feel and you know how I feel, we can actually faster resolve this to get to a place where we can have a closer and understanding yes. and appreciation of one another. And that's actually why I love confrontation. And I can't wait for confrontation. And I, I'm i excited when it comes yes. up because I'm like, let's solve <laughs> yes. this together. we're going to go through Absolutely. it and then we're going to get to the and We're going to be better. It's oh, going to be great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have my eyes on the on the vision of the future, not uh, in that uncomfortable moment. Yes. Uh, that's not what I'm visualizing. I'm visualizing, yes. like, this is going to be, we're going to be friends. Uh, we're going to like walk, hold this... hands. Yeah. Man,
0: okay. Uh, that is... Okay, I am so jealous that you have that mindset because I feel like my transition I'm trying to form into this person that has that shares that mindset of realizing directness is always the best. Direct complete vulnerability and honesty and getting to the solution is best because sure. I grew the way I grew up was the sense I'm a 2 in mm-hmm. the Enneagram and which is the helper, helper and so yeah if I have a feeling of like, I just want everybody to feel good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. almost similar to a lot it's of in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost, I don't want to be confrontational. Let's right. just play around. Let's make everybody happy. Sure. Let's just be comfortable here. Yeah. And Jorge, yeah. uh, who and I, he and I are super close friends with, he is on the other side who is very, his almost like, I hate to say love language sounds so cheesy, but like sure. his deal is, no, we're going to be super direct. Yeah. And because gets the same way because yeah. that, that only leads to closeness. Right. And I'm so uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so comfortable because I'm like, oh man, yeah. just in my just with uh, just my personality, how I grew up. I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just calm this down. Right. let's if, settle even, down, everybody. Even if it means not being completely honest with our own selves. I think it's also possibly
2: you know, it's it may also be a Midwestern thing yeah. because that's 100%. you know that, that's what the Midwestern mentality yeah. is. Is let's yeah. not talk about it. Let's just fire as many passive aggressive like bombs as we can until they're like, oh, Uh, yeah. But the problem is that most of the time that never happens and you end up exploding on the person anyway, (laughs) I feel is what eventually happens out of anger rather than through calmness. Mm, That's Um, really good. But yes, you were asking me a question about, um, we were talking about connectedness, confrontation. I don't know Um, if it was in the context maybe of uh, my friends, possibly? I don't know. Yeah, like
0: well, maybe, maybe it was earlier the thought of uh, nah, taking a tour. Yeah, I don't We're at, we're at. I'm fascinated with that. I'm going to really think about that. The whole, um, that's one of the things I'm very unaware of, the whole thing that you said, taking a tour. Yeah. Through someone's
2: experience. Oh, yeah. Man, that's I don't know was. if that was, is what so, it was. We, yeah, she was very direct, and we have that kind of intimacy. Um, and I have it with most people, honestly. And so... When she was observing those things about me, uh, it would be the kind of thing that I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that's a thing that happens, yeah, you know? yeah. That's just, that's like, again, <laughs> it's, it's another yeah. day for me yes. uh, that I would barely even notice. So, you know, you endure thousands of small slights a day, especially yeah. in certain environments, I would say. Like, again, in IT, of which, you know, women and people of color is, they, they know as an industry, yeah. like, we're really bad at yeah. this. Yes. We're one, like, class-action civil lawsuit away from just taking down this whole yes. thing. Uh, and, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, they try to avoid this by doing things like meeting quotas, which I think are wildly unethical. Um, quotas or, of- it, Like, literally, like, well, we hired our four black people for the year. Call it good. <laughs> you know? That's my white people voice. but. <sighs> <laughs> we, we, we've met our, our four black people. We've, we've got them. Uh, uh, we, we need six more Asians, though. Uh, no, um, and they. I think that that's wildly not just a terrible practice, but is is not the way that. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons why people are so sick of affirmative action is because that's how people are interpreting it. Is literally mm. like more faces that aren't like the faces that are already there Mm -hmm. in order to meet these quotas. But I I don't think that was ever the design of of principles and uh, strategies like affirmative action. I think the idea is to be cognizant and try to eliminate bias, even in the hiring process, which my sister, Dina, who lives out in Stanford, literally as a professor, like doing her research, looks at social networks in businesses Mm And tries to help businesses eliminate bias in their hiring processes. That's actually what she does mm. um, at the university there through her research and the classes that she teaches, um, which is fascinating. Which only fuels my, you know, sort yes. of not so much paranoia, but my awareness of that whole process.
0: Uh, okay, I am. I that, that situation. Is very confusing to me as Mm. a white dude who is on the out. I mean, I shouldn't say outside because we're all connected within in the interaction of it. But on the outside looking in, I want to know how to look at these. Situations, because on one hand, like heaven forbid, a white person not get a
2: job because, right. of, because
0: right. of skin color, right? But then on All the these other side, yeah, yeah. which is actually but, is
2: to be fair, in yeah. some degrees, in some markets, is actually true. So, yeah, um, totally. And
0: yeah. I and I'm just I'm curious though of what uh, to me on the outside, I'm like I want I want to live uh, and embrace and cherish diversity. But at the same time, I, I'm not for sure if that's how we get there. It's probably I'm not, not how sure. we should get there. Yeah.
2: So, what are your thoughts on that? Real quick, because uh, this is a whole podcast. Um, if you could
0: sum it down in uh, 20 seconds, in a little uh, sound bite. The, <laughs> the, <kidding>. the thing <laughs>
2: that's wrong with this is that um, it's not about. Hiring a certain kind of candidate, whether it's like racial or uh, maybe socioeconomic, or you know, trying to expand like the, the, the pool of diversity in an organization. What you want to do is in the hiring practices, it's been proven that if you have, you know, a white male candidate sitting across from you, depending mm-hmm. on whatever industry that you're in, let's say it's IT, let's mm-hmm. say it's, it's tech you're more likely to think and assume and infer things about that individual more than you are let's take uh, a black woman for example you're, you're much, well, which actually isn't even fair because traditionally and historically black women are actually really great at IT and technology But um, which is not something that you may actually think or if I've, you didn't I've know that it probably unaware. wouldn't influence yeah. that bias that yeah. you have yeah. when you're interviewing that candidate so it's all about trying to make those candidates shine in the best way possible with just their qualifications. So we talk about when looking at resumes, removing the names off the resumes, because name naming yeah. is cultural. Like yeah. if, you, if it's Yolanda or yes. Steve, I mean, yeah. Steve is, yes. could be in any person's yes. name, but yeah. in this case I'm 100%. using Steve well, as
0: a white for, name. For an <laughs> example, for example uh, this is personal, I mean, they wouldn't care if I shared this, but Jorge, sure. uh, his wife, uh, Janelle, she, when she got married, she changed her name to Figueroa. Sure. And uh, her name was Janelle Moore first. And then <laughs> she, when she was like sending in sure. resumes, she realized instantly people were treating her differently. Yeah. And then when they'd meet her, they're like, oh, we just assumed that you weren't white. We just I thought, know. it's like, and so she has seen this she, just yes. by the name. Anyways, go on. It, yes, absolutely, that's
2: a, eliminating bias through that as far yes. as maybe where they were possibly educated, just knowing that they have a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... eliminating like certain kinds of job history so can actually send the resume through an algorithm that automatically removes content like that so that again you're just looking at the credentials of all of these different Mm -hmm. candidates without bias Mm -hmm. and then when you're doing telephone interviews do it that way and again there's some ways that people yeah. aren't able to disguise heritage yeah. if you have an accent if you speak um, with a certain dialect Yeah. Uh, I know for a fact that you know if you have a Spanish accent you're yeah. much less likely to be called back for an interview Really. qualifying for loans yeah. allowed certain yeah. access to housing like that's why there are all these housing discrimination laws. Like this, that's why it's so regulated. It's because people literally, whether they think mm. about it or not, there are these biases that yeah. inform. And I'm not using biases as like a euphemism for racism. I'm just yeah. saying genuinely Genuine, these things yes. that we aren't even thinking about that are coloring our idea of an individual. Yes. I, so what I would say is that in this particular case, uh, you don't want to increase diversity literally by meeting headcount. Being yeah. Like, well, we've got 20 open spots, it'd be great if like, at least five of them were women or people of color. Yes. Um, you know, or something like that. And then like, once you hit 15 and you're like, well, crap, <laughs> somehow we accidentally hired all not that. So yes. these last five positions, we just turn Wouldn't away we... any other qualified candidate yes. and only hire. So it, you, the idea is trying to do yourself the due diligence of, because everyone has biases. I have biases. In terms of learning and understanding the world, it's how vision works. Okay, Biases influence the way that we do things because we need to make assumptions in order to navigate the world. It's literally how we're wired. Yeah, It's how I know that this is a chair and that if I were to sit on it, I wouldn't fall to the floor. I have that yes. bias because yeah. I've seen other chairs before. Yeah, like It's that same idea. It uses that same idea of our psychology. The trick is being smart enough to sort of intercept that or undo it or sabotage it in a way mm. where we can actually give the best qualified candidates access. Because I think if we do that, we would actually find it's not always maybe the biases that we would have mm. in an in-person interview. Yeah. It's actually other individuals that come from other places and have different experiences. Yes. So that that's as quick and brief as I could yeah. make oh, that man. topic.
0: That is so... Okay, so what... I'm just trying to think of an example of, say I uh, or someone is not necessarily in part of a hiring situation. A Mm -hmm. situation where they're bringing in and they have essentially a a business or a culture that they can bring people in to make Mm -hmm. it more diverse. I'm wondering if there's ways in our everyday lives to start... Acknow- recognizing the biases sure is it just an awareness that that exists do you think to an start- awareness like-
2: invest- self investigation is, is step number one uh, and recognizing that you know everyone is biased yeah. and if you have certain a certain trend in your social mm. network uh, you could be a black person that lives in a predominantly black place and mm. barely know any white people um, so you probably have some ideas about white people mm. that are maybe incorrect or maybe even about black people that are yeah. incorrect recognizing that the way that we begin to undo these things is by immediately taking ourselves out of any kind of comfort zone and placing ourselves in a place where we're not comfortable deliberately with people that are not like us so for example um one of the things that i'm always Which I'm really great critical at because
0: i love uncomfortableness just you kidding
2: go. <laughs> i, know. I uh, you you're just like mm, let's get right in there let's have let's have a grand old time yeah, absolutely let's talk about our feelings um uh, so you put yourself in a place, yeah, in a situation. A really yeah. easy example, yes. and it's like the most segregated day of the week is Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're worshiping with mm. uh, with people. Literally, uh, put yourself in a situation where you're in a church that is nothing like a church that you would vibe with, mm. and and see what it's like there. And whether you're black or white, uh, you know, having grown up in Ames, it's really funny. I actually had the advantage of attending a church that was almost entirely black okay um, and it was because uh, it's the most segregated day of the week it was easier to worship in an environment that was comfortable yeah. than not even though you know, all of my friends I was really close with, like, went to other churches, yeah. and I would occasionally attend their churches, but I would say it was really yeah. uncomfortable, because it's totally not my... Your deal. Yeah, my deal at all. I mean, it was Southern Baptist, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> praise dancing, hooping, hollering, Met. talking back, yep. call response, you know, and yeah, yeah. these other churches, it's just sitting politely, and it's not, again, it's yep. not better, it's just different. Uh, there's, there's a different thing that we're all, like, keying into, and so... The first thing you do is take yourself out of your comfort zone, and and it's not in we, we use the word tourism. It's not in terms of taking a yeah. tour, but it's actually like staying there and living there and trying to make a connection.
0: Yeah, because that's where I want to be. Um, I want to be aware of that too, of not being a tourist. Right. Uh, so what, how can where's the line of that? Where's the is it the staying there? Is there is it staying there for a amount of time, or where's the line between? I want to be more aware and more open and recognize my biases, but I don't want to be a tourist.
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, and that's this going back to... I can't remember if we got it on uh, audio, but that goes back to the article that I wrote, what white people should do about systemic racism that was so yes. uh, controversial.
0: Can you break... I, I didn't. I haven't read that article. It's fine.
2: But, and in, I mean, once again,
0: can, it's in 30 seconds, can you tell me what... Yeah. This so it, it was about...
2: It, Literally, like, all of my... white, Right after Donald Trump was elected president, and leading up to it, I would say that whole year leading up to it, all of my friends from back home were wrestling with this idea Mm. of, like, how are we blowing this? How, like... Racism is clearly a thing because Mm. people are really making it a thing, and it's everywhere. Whether or not you actually feel it's everywhere, we're at least talking about it. Like, what... How... Their question was... What can I do to like make this better? Would mm-hmm. be usually their question. But they were talking about race, like racism. Mm-hmm. Like having ideas about other people. How can I disassemble this in my own life? And it wasn't just one friend, it was a lot of friends from back yeah. home. We're asking me this because oh, yeah. I was their black friend. That's Oh man. Is that weird? Is that
0: <sighs> weird being like the black Oh man? Keith, I have no one else to talk to. You're the black person I know. Absolutely. Are you like, dude, you need to find more black people. Or are you, have you, like like you said earlier, are you just like, I'm the bridge. I'm here. I know is that it I'm the
2: bridge. And or is I, it weird? So here's the thing is that I did have that epiphany because there were all these movies that came out, I feel like, in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. Like the spoof of other movies. And yeah like the scary movie type yeah thing, the scary yeah. movie type thing and you know you they, they sort of poked fun at the tokenization of black people in movies yeah. and I had this epiphany around the end of that like I would say 2006-2007 where I realized that I was the token black friend in all of my white friends' lives. Like, um, there was no avoiding it. Like, um, if, if suddenly we found ourselves in a horror movie, I'd be like, well, I'm dying first. There we go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, that's just it's what's going to happen. Yes. I just have to accept that in yeah. a really weird Hollywood kind of way. Yes. Uh, realizing that, so I had already processed that well before those conversations. And I would say that among even most people that I have more endurance for helping others than mm. most. Real quick, if you're out there listening, uh, it is not the women in your life, the people of color, the the trans, queer mm-hmm. like person, it is not their job to educate you on what is different about them and like their perspective on society and the things that you're doing to contribute. it. That's not their job. Mm. Uh, having that is said so that, heavy. I as an individual have, I, I think, a, a lot of compassion and understanding for other people, probably because of my nineness. The fact that, you know, that one of nine strengths is being able to see things from two sides, see things from all of the other numbers perspectives, um, that I have that ability and because of that, I have mercy. And so my rather than repeating myself a lot for all of my um, friends, I was like, I'm just going to write an article and see if I can get it published. Yeah. And if not, then I'll just send it to them, these yeah. individuals. And so that's where it came about. So the, the, the beginning of it was literally that story. All of my friends are coming and talking to me about this lately. Mm. Here, here's my perspective on it. And it literally just traces back this idea of post-civil rights movement. I, I hope enough people know about American history to know slavery was a thing, <laughs> the, the dissemination of that, um, segregation, uh, Jim Crow, civil rights movement, mm-hmm. right? And so post-civil rights movement, there was a really big backlash uh, on, on talking about race. Because I feel like before that, even in the North, you just talked about it. You, like race and racism and, and attitudes and things like that. It wasn't an indictment, it was just like a fact, which in a way was a little bit more healthy than a lot more healthy than where we are now. Because there was this backlash and was like, I don't see color. I, I call it the, the post-civil rights movement of trying to treat people as individuals, which is a noble idea, but one of the things that it eliminates is being able to see the way that things like race, gender, um, sexuality, all of these things influence yes. in the institutions that we're a part of. And so we can't yeah, see the way that they... Yeah, if
0: acknowledging it, you're saying... You're actually hurting the ability to acknowledge someone as an individual because you're taking away a massive part that makes them an individual. That, 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 that they saying. identify yeah. them. Yeah, yeah,
2: and and also, unfortunately, like, our systems aren't neutral in the sense that our systems, like law, is built up so that there are a certain group of people that succeed in, like, in a court of law, and there are certain groups of people that are designed to mm-hmm. fail. And so when you're not able to see things through that lens, you can't see the way that it's affecting these different subgroups of people. So it, it chronicles that. And then the fact that we're not able to discuss it or talk about it in public um, makes it you know, even worse for mm. beginning to internalize all of these things into these subgroups, all of this resentment and all of this conflict between these different groups builds, 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 builds. Yes. And then suddenly it has this political moment post you know, Barack Obama, yeah. uh, the first black president, which is easily, I guess, except for Trump, like the most polarizing president we've ever had in this country. Uh, and it's strange that we latched on to race post Barack Obama because there wasn't even like, anyone of color involved in this. But it, oh, it absolutely was this thing that it was being talked about more and more and more and more. And so my friends had reached out to me. And so this was my response. The first is that, you know, not talking about it doesn't help anybody. Not talking about the ways that we're different actually, in fact, hurts us because we're not able to see the way that these ways we're different affects those different individuals and entitles those individuals that aren't different to be more successful. The second thing was that um, with that... uh, it's not it's not any more noble or less noble to try to not see race the third idea was that okay how do we disassemble these ideas the first one is get uncomfortable get out of your your shell go to places where and i don't mean again tourism since we're going back to that Uh, literally you asked how long is long it's when you don't think about like the individual as far as like well uh, I've reached my quota for black friends, <laughs> <laughs> like affirmative action. I now have, uh, you know, if, if you were to take that a picture... doesn't
0: become a question in your mind,
2: right. then it's long enough. Right. Maybe. If you were to have uh, a wedding tomorrow, yeah. and you were to have groomsmen or groomswomen or groomspeople, mm-hmm. uh, who, if all of the people in your group have your same experiences, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. If all the people in your wedding party, if all your close individuals don't challenge your thoughts. If they, if they have all of the same backgrounds, then, then you probably need to shake it up. That's, that's the way of saying it, is that it's not about the amount of time or just sitting there in that space and feeling the otherness that's coming upon you. That's certainly a good step. Yeah, no, That's but, a great step, especially uh, if you're not used to that. It's
0: kind of just like a tan.
2: I'm just like yeah, I just I, bathe I, in it. Yes, I've soaked up I the yeah, uncomfortableness. Just, uh, my uh, tunis my is now saying up, yeah. I have to go home <laughs> and I have to take a nap to process <laughs> all of this shame. <laughs> Uh, I just no
0: just picture someone in the back of like uh, like some gospel church with just like the timer going off. Bing. Like, yep. uh, gotta go. See you later. Just walk you... out. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks,
2: everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. No. It, you you want to get it to a place where uh, you know you actually are forming real, lasting connections mm. with people that aren't like you. Yes. And it doesn't even have to be a lot of people but another thing again going back to the very first point that i made before this whole thing it's not that individual's job to educate you on all of the ways that life is for them Mm -hmm. treat them like people that was another point that i was like we're all people treat them like people it doesn't happen when you're volunteering at a soup kitchen Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen when you're in a position of power over someone else so if it's like church outreach or something Mm -hmm. like that that's not, that's not an equitable relationship. Oh. You know, that's not, that's yes. not a place where yes. you're to coming. You're yeah. literally coming to them as someone who has to mm-hmm. have nots. So mm-hmm. that's not a place where you're going to. Yeah, if, if there's, there's, positive, there's, there's positive things about doing that. But at the same time, oh. I, I can totally relate to. I'm that not thing. saying don't volunteer your time. <laughs> no,
0: I know. I know. Or I totally help know out so, other
2: totally, communities yeah. totally that do not saying, have yeah. what you have. I'm saying that to uh. say. To say that that's not how you get to yeah. a place where you're challenging your own idea of what is mm. wrong, right, good, bad, yeah. normal, or or something that you appreciate yes. as as you appreciate yourself. <laughs> 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 Don't volunteer at <laughs> <in> soup <laughs> gadgets.
1: No, I'm not saying that. Why not? No,
2: that's so good. I'm <laughs> no. oh,
1: sorry. I'm uh, probably no, like, clipping I'm, the I'm crap cli- out of it. Man,
0: I, that's funny. Yeah, I, if I want anybody to take anything away from this is like, soup kitchens are bad yeah. volunteering is evil <laughs> no but I, I totally see but the, the, what's funny and kind of sad is that um, man this whole conversation is so fascinating because you and I I would have never known I didn't know this before getting together with you but we have such like a, a parallel we have so many parallels sure of it sounds like of our lives uh, but then it, some so many places where we couldn't be more different mm. in our experiences sure and one of the parallels is I can totally relate with the thought of that's how a lot of people growing up would assume that's the way we fix it, right? Sure. Well, we're going to go volunteer yeah. and do something that help. puts you in this level of which actually Youth frontiers. Uh, yeah. yeah
2: you know is an organization that frankly is a have yeah and I've seen plenty of opportunities where we've gone into schools where it's have-nots mm. and honestly a lot of the messages that mm, we're equipped with are sometimes. They sometimes fall flat in those communities. Mm. As an example, uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot is this idea of kindness, uh, especially with our our younger kids. Like this idea that we're supposed to be kinder to each other and kinder to adults. Well, I think the Midwestern idea of kindness is sometimes a little bit broad, too broad, especially Mm. for children that are potentially placed in dangerous situations or have really unsupportive home lives. It's not. It's not kind to be around an adult or someone who is abusive to you, or to think that you're protecting them by not telling adults like what's happening to you at home. I think that sometimes our ideas and messages of kindness can actually be really dangerous for kids, you know. And so that that it's it's like that where, um, come on, you know, you, you, you've got to have this idea of. Of of connecting and yes, there 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 is an inequality because when you have a supportive home life, when you have people and teachers in your communities that that love you that want to help you, you can have messages of kindness that are yeah. very broad in general. Yeah. Because there's not really much danger to a child. Yeah. But if you have if you you're without that privilege. Yeah. And you're in communities where things like that do happen where. Parents very regularly do have drug or alcohol yeah. habits, substance abuse, yeah. or uh, broken relationships, broken homes. It's not like I think that that happens in one community more than another, but I do think that that message is not always maybe the message that you want to give mm. to like a really young impressionable mind.
0: Okay, so there is, say you're in that kind of community that you're talking mm-hmm. about, and you could take that broad message of kindness and replace it with a different message is there one that comes to mind
2: that you would replace it with i think it would it would be love yourself i Mm. think that that would be the important thing i think that love yourself is really good at that age because i think that with self-love comes the ability to love other people I think that those two things are connected. Yes. Like, like a nine. Yes. Yeah. I think that it's really difficult to love and support someone else, even as a kid. Yeah. If you're like, if you're really unhappy, I think one of the things that, and that message works in those communities, in those abusive mm. relationships, says that to like, well, even, even though my parent is not well, my guardian is not well, I love me. Mm-hmm. And I know that they love me. And I think the best thing for them would be to tell an adult what's going on in my home because of that. Uh. I I think that because I love myself, I think that you should love yourself too, other kid in my class. And because you love yourself and I love myself, then I can respect that you should be loved. And I can, you know, treat you the way that you would want to be treated because I would want to be treated that way too. You know, I think it's all a part of the same continuum, and I think it's really easy to help kids make that connection when you explain it to them in that language.
0: Man, the love yourself, uh, just assuming th- and assuming about our backgrounds and the way we we grew up, um, and like say faith things. Sure. Uh, I think there is a gap between. I at least realized uh, later in life that. We're always told, you know, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. but then we always forget the as yourself yeah. part. Yeah, and then, so it's like, how can I, how can I tell people to love themselves and take care of themselves, and that they should love other people if you can't love yourself? Right. And it's like, it's almost like, get healthy before right. you help other people, because then you can help other people better. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever your end goal is, that that is just so skipped over so often. I, I think the reason it's
2: skipped over is because. Our capitalist... Oh, this sentence sounds so pretentious. <laughs> our, our capitalist uh, consumer culture kind of perverses self-love. Yes. I think it kind okay. of changes it into this um, self-before-others kind of mm. thing. Rather than saying, no, self-before-others isn't self-love. That's self-aggrandizement. Self-love is self-care, is mm. self-appreciation, yeah. is... Uh, a life of, without compare. Yeah. It's not about other people outside yourself. It's about you. It's about um, peace yes. with who you are, hmm. with the things that you are or are not, mm-hmm. and that's not. That should be should be something that no one is capable of affecting, no circumstance is capable of affecting, and it's from that place that sense of peace with self. It's that perspective. That you're supposed to take to others uh, because if like our culture says that no i'm first like hmm. i know that you want to yeah but i'm going to take care of me yeah, yeah and get the things that i need yeah take my slice of the pie mm-hmm. because i was here first yeah you know and then you can take care of you i yeah. might help you get your piece of pie yeah you know but i'm definitely gonna get mine first and so i, I think that's why the as yourself is often left off because I think that subconsciously somewhere, we realize that that doesn't make any sense yeah. in that perspective. Yeah. Like, so then how am I supposed to love my neighbor if I'm supposed to be first? Yeah. It's not about like we're totally taught. Talk- Literally, the love we're using are two mm-hmm. different ideas.
0: Oh man, that that is heavy. We're not talking about the same thing. The we're yeah. using the same word, we're using but same we're word. totally taught. Talk- yeah. And man, that uh, not to. That's why I said
2: Hollywood love. <laughs> Yes. Or self love, or peace love, mm-hmm. or there's all these different, I think ways that we use that word. Yeah. What is it? The Greek? Have, they have like six different versions yes. of it? Yes. Uh, you know, oh, but man. they're all translated as love. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the cafe or whatever. Yeah, all valeo. that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, man, have you? What led you to this awareness of the importance of self love? Has that always been? That's a, definitely... A priority to
2: you? Is, there, is this... That's, that's, a, that's that. a family thing, you know. Really? Um, absolutely. My, I remember when I was a kid, part of one of the stories that I told at the show that you were at um, has always been this idea of self-love and self-appreciation, and that's very much uh, a Rollins family thing. Um, my, I remember when I was really, really young, my mom before school was, yeah. and she sat me down and she, the, do you remember this story
0: I admit I'm not sure That's okay if I was uh, listening she, to this one
2: she it was, it was before school I was very young I think honestly it was before like before mm-hmm. kindergarten I was going to be starting in Ohio at that time and she said Keith there are people in this world that are going to want to treat you different because of the color of your skin Yeah, to say this to like a five year old yeah her beloved only son, uh, she had to say that this world might hate you. Uh, but the thing that she wanted to let me know was, don't ever let anyone treat you like you are any less than they are. You are just as good. Hmm. Yeah. You are worth just as much. And that's what she impressed upon me. What both my parents impressed oh, upon so me cool. is this idea of self-value and self-appreciation. And one of the reasons they had to do that is because there's a lot of times when the world is going to show us that that's not true. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, to- I always tell that story in the context of the song I'm about to play It's a song's called Build It Up, um, which was written, since you're Minneapolis yeah. person too, it was written, um, finished, shortly after mm-hmm. Philando Castile was shot, which we both know is... Less than two miles from where we're yeah. sitting right now. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, my house is actually, like, I think it's less than a mile from where I live. Oh, um, yeah. Because it's, like, you're right down in Franklin, 94th. Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I mean, and he's, like, a guy that worked in schools like I did for, you know, this last year. Yeah. Um, about the same age. And uh, I actually started writing it a while ago when Trayvon Martin was shot. And the reason why I started writing it was... You know, again, the world, it wasn't just the fact that the world was showing me once again that, like, my life was less, what mm-hmm. was worth less. Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that my wife and I are at the point now where we're thinking about having kids. Mm-hmm. We're not having a kid yet or anything, but we're talking about it. And it was thinking that, like, man, literally visualizing, like, I have a kid. And I might have to tell them that. that I might have to like, try to make my words a, a shield, an armor mm. for them, so that they, when they go out in the world, are protected against the things that the world... Were, mm. Which is why this idea of self-peace, self-love, mm-hmm. is so important. And the reason I wrote that song was it was a way for me to deal with my anger. Yeah. my Uh, my frustration with that whole situation uh was the this idea that i had a choice i had the choice to either let that thought of telling my beloved child that the world was going to treat them different just because of a thing that they couldn't change and Mm -hmm. we both knew wasn't like a deal Mm -hmm. um
0: but still is a deal but still is a deal deal
2: with that yeah um with like, deal, processing that, in, instead of letting that anger eat me alive, mm-hmm. I had a choice to either let that happen and then project that same negativity of the world back out Yeah, in anger, which yeah. is such
0: a human thing.
2: Yeah. It's so frustrating. This is a brief aside. Yeah. when, when people come to me Focus. and are like, oh, yeah, uh, we're, we're upset about this person getting killed, so we're just going to tear stuff up. And it's like, you could not be more dehumanizing of the people that are going through that mm-hmm. grief and that situation, that, that wrong against their community. I'm not saying that I, I believe that vandalism, that you're entitled to destroyed pro- property, people that you're mm-hmm. like out of anger or grief mm-hmm. or anything like that, but I'm saying that to not have compassion for people mm-hmm. in that situation. Have you ever been angry at something and, like, punched your fist into the wall? Mm-hmm. Like, when we see that happen in a movie, we're not like, oh, boy, that guy was stupid. Now oh, yeah. his fist is bleeding. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, yeah, I mean, we are sometimes, yeah. but, like, but at the same time, yeah. we still understand where that comes from, that yes. frustration to, yeah. like, lash out. It's the same thing. Yeah. Only on, in a community and a mob mentality. But that brief aside, no. gone. Yes. Um, but for me, my decision with that song called Build It Up is to... Positively affect my community to allow this grief, this sadness, be able to make it its way out into the world where we are going to build up our community. That's my own declaration. I'm going to build up my community. I'm going to build up the spaces around me, the people around me. I'm going to encourage myself, and by encouraging myself, encourage others. That's my goal. I don't know if I achieve that. Time will tell, but that's that was my goal. And so my the song is a very personal song, but. The way I always try to set it up before I play it is by saying that it could be anything. It could Mm. be literally, you have more money Mm. than most people that you would encounter day-to-day life. You have less money. You have um, uh, an impairment. You uh, aren't familiar with popular movies. It really could be any superficial reason. As many ways as we are different, that's as many ways there are to discriminate against a person, people are always going to want you to put you in a box
0: yeah you're a white male
2: yeah that people are always going to want to like tear you down for different things that you have the choice of either giving into that thing Mm -hmm. and in a way living down to that expectation or the goal could be to build it up and so that's what that's what the song is about that's what the message is about that's that's very central to reverend doctor is this idea of 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 overcoming and, and by overcoming helping along others to get yes. to where you're going. Yes. You know.
0: Man, it's this uh it just comes back to that thought of love yourself, take mm-hmm. care of yourself and then because of that, through that, after that, bring people along, help right. other people. Um, man, okay, you, with your stuff, even this, there's this idea of like positivity mm-hmm. and you, I, I read uh, you being described as defiantly positive mm-hmm. and I wonder if that plays a role, that phrase, like what, I'm curious about what does that mean to be defiantly positive to Absolutely.
2: So it's really not popular right now. I feel like in most circles where we're talking about intersectionality or, mm. um, all of these progressive ideas, whether it's, uh, gender equality uh, feminism um, LGBTQ rights uh, you know uh, Black Lives Matter all of these different movements right now this idea of mercy and compassion are not principles are, are not uh, ideas to be appreciated mm. it's almost like that's how they used to do it like back in the day it didn't work <laughs> yeah. so now we got to do it our way and, yeah. and I don't think that that's true I mm. think that You know, in a lot of ways, the civil rights movement was successful because it it put the world, the world's eyes on a situation which was largely nonviolent. Obviously, there were certain certainly violent aspects of it. um, You know, as far as riots, but also as far as responses to the Mm nonviolent actions and and protests and marches. But when you have a passive approach to it, when you have a nonviolent approach to a social justice or a human rights issue if you're met with violence it's really clear who's you you have the moral high ground and I think that I think a lot of radical things I think that right now these movements what we need to be doing the most is embracing our ideas of patriotism mm. ideas of being the fact that like our acts of protest are make us actually we love country just as much, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, Through that, through our exercising our First Amendment rights, that we have as much ownership as anyone does over ideas of love for country. And I think that's one of the things that you connected with in your email was, when you first reached out to me, was this idea that you know There is there is no American story because it's all an American story if you're in America.
0: Well, man, that's I want to ask you about that too because that's literally the reason this is happening is mm-hmm. because your message, you said from on stage, you gave this story mm-hmm. of talking about my people mm-hmm. brought over and enslaved my people. I want to have you expound on that or sure. even say in this context because sure. I heard that and it was just so moving to me mm. of that approach. I mean, that is the... It lets guards down. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. I mean, it, it. It was just so powerful. I was like, I, I need to get behind
2: here. Ownership. More about so this. it's funny, you know. Black people in America are called African American. Um, is like the politically correct term, and I don't. I don't take issue with that at all because one of the things that it does is it makes us uniquely mm-hmm. American. Yeah. In a way that we're not like black people in Britain as far as, like, historically and culturally have a completely different touchstone than people in the United States, than African people do, mm-hmm. as far as, like, their identity and blackness. Like, in America, we're, it's it's very, it's a very different beast, and I think it's a large part of the reason, like, why our music is so often impersonated or appropriated or reintroduced or reinvented by other different cultures, or even just listened to in its raw form all around okay. the, all around the world. Uh, I, I think that just to make it clear, you're referring to, I have a song called Pledge of Allegiance. I wanted to write a song about how much I love America and the way that I loved America. And I'm not intimidated by my ideas of critiquing America. I don't think that it's it's unpatriotic to say that we can do better. I think that that's an act of love. I don't think that in a marriage, if you just let Things that your spouse are doing that are bad, either for your spouse or for your relationship. Mm-hmm. I think an act of love is to address that that hurt, that wound, rather than just say, "No, actually, it's loving for me to like not make yes. him, you address it dude, because you don't want to comes deal." It back
0: to that, even your that yeah. even the same thing. It's like the thing we're all affect. We're all right. talking about is,
2: "Do be more direct."
0: Being more direct with the goal, because
2: that is more loving.
0: Not that is more of, loving.
2: Yes. And so with. With my own personal heritage, obviously, if you end up filming this and seeing it later, I <laughs> identify as black. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. my heritage <laughs> is I'm Irish, I'm German, and I can actually trace those roots back. Yeah. Those are the only roots I can trace back. But clearly I'm African, probably. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming. slavery, sadly. <laughs> but the yeah. most interesting is, is my... Um, The reason why I can trace my Irish heritage back is because there was a white landowner Mm. uh, in the South that owned slaves that actually married one of his slaves. Mm. And that's the reason I can trace it back. That's the reason why my lineage isn't broken is because it wasn't just an illicit relationship or rape, let's just call it what it is. Uh, It wasn't anything like that. It was a legitimate relationship. Which is like, my wife is white and it's like, we're like oh the world hates us and just imagine what that must have been like man. but you know so irish german um obviously african but also native native american yeah. and so i have all of these different things inside me and the story that you're referring to is if you want to think about the absurdity of race it's literally embodied in me it's the idea that like my people like, came over on a boat and then slaughtered my people and then went to Africa and, like, enslaved my people and brought them back and made them work the land of my people. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yes. Wow, man. So, you know, I
0: mean, that was so powerful. I've never heard it put yeah. that way before.
2: It's, it's, oh. I, I, and so when I think about America, like, there's, it's not that I think that there's no one more American than I am. It's that my story, the reason I love America is because my story yeah. can't happen anywhere else but mm-hmm. America. That's the reason why I love wow. America. Wow. Is because I have direct ownership over it. Mm-hmm. And so the song is all about this idea of how do I both say that I love America and I think we can do better. And so the idea is to like, is to not say that we're terrible, we're doing all these things wrong, but is to address our history and say that despite that, we're awesome mm-hmm. and we can do better. We can make our weaknesses our strength. We can mm-hmm. make the things that have torn apart us apart and divided us, the yeah. things that are, are, that will help us be the moral compass that America aspires to be for the rest of the world. Yeah. And so that's, that's what that song was about. That was its goal... And, and whether again i have all these like like every song yes. i write with reverend doctor is like i'm like shooting for the stars and oh man i love I, it. it i love that the, i think that uh the messages the i want my set to be part this mm-hmm. um and part music because that's where reverend doctor does best is this idea of a dialogue is yes. this idea of of column response, yes, and, and that's why I wanted to have this idea of church and also the civil rights movement, like all of these different parts that indicate involvement, interaction, participation uh, as a part of my set. North Loop Fest is yes. definitely not the type of place <laughs> yeah. to be like, "Hey, everyone!" <laughs> which is why I was like sh- shocked and surprised you heard anything at all, uh, because God. when I was telling those stories, which are super important to the songs, and our I try to keep short as far as their intros. I, I I 'm surprised if anyone listens, but it's important to me as far as like the act that it has mm-hmm. that kind of setup yes. because it's it 's central to who the act is.
0: yeah, that is a fine balance when just in the sense of um, musical performance mm-hmm. and putting a set together mm-hmm. it's a fine line between uh, and everybody everybody's thing is different but mm-hmm. where do you how how much do you talk mm-hmm. how much music do you have in between like where where do you find the ebb and flow of that how do you find the balance where you're still people are still engaged mm-hmm. uh, and I think you're doing a cool job of it because I think uh, which as goofy as it seems I wonder how much Youth Frontiers has played into that because their masters mm-hmm. at Keeping attention, Mm -hmm. and I feel like at the very end of the day, as long as you are not losing people, and if you can still keep people entertained first Mm -hmm. and engaged, then I'm like, the more you can throw in your talking, the better, you know, because then it makes it more powerful. Then it's not just songs, then you're like, hey, this is where the song comes from, yeah,
2: and it affects people. I, uh... it absolutely has played a part. Um, you know, Mayata and I, like, I, I watched a show that she did a few days ago, and I remember watching her. A while ago before she watched she was at youth frontiers and it it definitely allows you to be able to self curate as far as how much talking is too too much talking and what is even a story that people want to hear and it kind of gives you these lenses to be able to look at that through because there's not really much that separates an adult attention span from a child's yeah. in a musical context. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. like, when you're on stage and I have a drink in my hand, you better say some interesting stuff or I am uh, out. I'm totally. I'm out, downing yeah. <laughs> this and talking to my neighbor. That's, yes. like, what's going to happen. Yes. Here. And so it, it definitely has played a part in that. And it's also, again, self-curation as far as, like, what is even a useful story mm-hmm. to tell? Mm-hmm. Because... Reverend Doctor is filled with all this intentionality as far as everything from literally the way that the act looks and appears to the things that I say on stage to like the arrangements of the songs mm-hmm. and the, the different kinds of music that they incorporate and integrate and even the covers that I do are all very deliberate. In um, the reason that is, I want people to know that um, there's goal. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's not just... I Absolutely. Yeah. I, if, if you look at it on the surface, I yes. want it to be a good song. Yeah. I just want you to hear a good song. Yes. If you like see me on stage, I just want yeah. you to be like, I had, I enjoyed this show. I enjoyed yeah, his set. Am. If you meet me as a person, I'd be like, I enjoyed him as a person. Yeah. But if you're like, I want to know more. Yeah. It, hopefully you'll begin to see these themes and things worked in, needed, hopefully in and instricable yes. from from the things. Not just like I'm a I'm a person who's socially interested, but uh, I also Play music, like yes. I have this, like, little stupid pop song, and then yes. have a deep conversation. Yeah. Like, this is out of left field. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been doing it, hopefully, yeah. working my way in all night up to this, po- this yes. point. This moment,
0: it's not talked about a lot within artists, but I feel like a really big thing is uh, building trust right off the front end of a set. You people subconsciously want. To feel that you are in control, mm-hmm. you have an intention of where the set mm-hmm. is going. That the, your thought and the whole evening is co- a cohesive mm-hmm. thought, and that you're going to take them on a journey. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you can start strong and maybe even say something addressing that, here's mm-hmm. what's here's what's going to look like. I'm going to mm-hmm. play a few songs. I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Someone just goes, "Oh, okay. You, I, I can, I can let myself engage in your set, right? Because I trust. It's just fully trust." Like you're going to take me somewhere, you're not just going to be winging it, you're not an amateur
2: doing just whatever yeah. comes to your mind. Give me a roadmap. Yeah,
0: man. give me a roadmap. yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did uh, that at the beginning of the set, but again, it's North Loop Fest. Oh, dude, you know? yeah, and so what can it's you like, do? And it's, I was just like... Half I, the people are
0: listening, half the people are looking about if it's going to rain or not. Right. Oh, oh, man, those was a, The rain
2: was such a drag on that. Um, but oh, man. I definitely did that, and it was like, yeah... I, I'm all about inviting the audience. Um, I used to say the phrase, safe space, but I've since dropped that. <laughs> um, and the reason I wanted that is because I actually want to be, <laughs> and this is, again, not so much my nine, but my threeness. Yeah. Um, I, I want to actually have, mm. if someone starts heckling me or being yeah. like, no, Black people. <laughs> uh, who knows? They're never gonna shout that at <laughs> me on stage. Uh, it's
0: North Loop fest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. North Black Loop fest.
2: North Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, nice. Absolutely. Um, they. they I, I'm. I'm the kind of person. I have the kind of personality where I'll just be like hold on let's talk about what you just said Uh, let's Let's get get into this let's like talk about this yeah let's pull the audience absolutely Uh, and that may be that's not so much my youth frontiers in this as much as just like me (laughs) I mean I've facilitated in a lot of different things Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of came into youth frontiers already having a lot of knowledge about how to how to work Uh, a crowd and that was less because of music and more because of I don't know speech, oration Um, it's not like I've I've done any of that competitively or anything Mm. like that, but I've always sort of, I guess, been coming from that perspective.
0: Yeah. And I I hate breaking the third wall on like acknowledging that we have microphones in front of the youth frontiers being an organization that goes into schools and through games, music. I oh, mean, yeah. explain, yeah. yeah. What
2: Youth Frontiers is. Yeah,
0: but just for anybody, YouthFrontiers.org. Yeah. It's a really great organization. Yeah.
2: They're doing a lot of great things, not just in um, the Twin Cities in the Midwest, but uh, and they go to high schools to,
0: and middle schools, and they put school, on events, Takes yep. kids' eye classes, and teaches. You talk about uh, kindness, or, courage, kindness. Yeah. respect.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I, yeah, I think it's so
0: cool. It so was, it was so much it. fun
2: working with that organization because okay, quick story, and yeah. uh, at, at the cool things that Youth Frontiers gets to do. So. Um, If you haven't figured out from the podcast, I'm black. I know I sound like a little (laughs) white kid, Uh, but (laughs) that's growing up in Ames, Iowa. Uh, So I went back to Iowa for a couple of different retreats that I had, and there were um, some uh, black students that Mm -hmm. were in one of the – the conversations that we we had like i it, talk about like setting up for the day we, yes. we call it goal of the day where we talk about what the day is going to look like so mm-hmm. like you're saying giving the kids a roadmap yes. what is this thing
0: yes what, what are we, we all are about, about here? For, yeah. i have no
2: idea and how so long is going to be right
0: address that <laughs> this yeah. is your day yeah
2: strap in yeah. um so i was just telling a story about um, how i was in high school i remember my freshman year of high school Um, Between my freshman and sophomore year, I grew my hair up. Yeah. And so it was the first time I had an afro. And that was a really big step for me because, uh, you know, when you're you're different in a small town, the last thing that you want people to do is be like, you're different. Yeah. And so this was a
0: freaking fit in. Yeah. You just want to
2: fit, especially at that age, like freshman year, eighth grade. My gosh. just uh, I don't can... look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Perfect year for both of us to be growing like mad like men and Like yeah, crazy people. Absolutely obnoxiously oh, tall. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, I'm
2: already so tall. So at that point, I was just like, whatever. I'm you know, you. I, yeah. I love my hair. And so I grew it out. That was the first time. And I came back uh, from summer vacay with an afro. And so my uh, I remember feeling really anxious mm. about how people were going to treat me. And I'm telling this story in front mm-hmm. of these kids that are the same age that I was. And... I talk about how cool that was for me to have, like, my friends be like, whoa, your hair's awesome, dude. Yeah. And so, we, I, later that that day, there's a, another little black girl there, and she comes up to me, and she's like, I just want to say that it's so nice seeing you because it lets me know that I can make it. Hmm. You know? Because I know what it's like being Man. black in these small Man. towns. Yeah. It's not, It's I can't only imagine what my sisters went through. I, I know for a fact that my male privilege shielded me um, more than it does like as a black woman, especially mm. when you're smart, when you're educated, when you're blowing people out of the water with your grades yeah. and with your test scores. Yeah. Both my sisters were national merit scholars with their Jeez. like yes. their ACTs or something. Yeah. Like that. I, they were they both were like literally won awards for their like their test scores. It's stupid. Anyway, um they I, I was telling that story and and, and I was she connected me and she was like seeing you lets me know that i can make it and i can make it out of here Mm. and i couldn't let it just lie because i had to say to her you know there's another half to that story um... the half that i don't tell in front of the school and it's probably because you know it's not youth frontiers appropriate in the sense that it's probably not appropriate for a full group and it's not also not what about that moment in the day is for but i told her the rest of the story the rest of the story is this is that i played basketball um, for a small school and we went all around like I-80 and down into like Southern Iowa and played other teams. And mm-hmm. the longer that my hair got, the more people, parents, students, sometimes the coaches would shout mean things at me like racial slurs. Like while I was playing basketball, before games, after games, during games. <gasps> the the longer that my hair got, it was directly correlated. You with could like, see
0: a change,
2: like a drastic change. And here's really? how I, here's how I, I was, it was clear to me is because it got so bad. I shaved my head. Uh, I shaved my head and it stopped. No, uh, it went back to being just like a hidden thing. Yeah. yeah. Rather than like flaunting my, my otherness, my blackness, mm. you know, they, they, it was, they were used to again, like yeah. people looking and appearing like me. Yeah. Not it, like, Absolutely. I still think somewhere in, like, the public consciousness, afros are predominantly seen as, like, this black militant Black Panther thing. You know, which is another thing that I think, not think, no popular media has slanderized into being something that it actually wasn't. But I shaved my head and it stopped. And I told her this. I was like, honestly, yes, I was myself. Mm -hmm. And I did put myself out there. And I'm not sad that looking back that I shaved my head because I don't think that any sophomore in high school, any kid should have to deal with adults and parents of kids their age should have to deal with it. But I said that it's not gonna be easy, it's not gonna be pretty, it's gonna be hard. No. But you can make it. Yeah. You can make it. I, I needed to be real with her in that moment. I didn't want to pull yeah. my punch for her. Yeah. Cause I, if I were her age, would need an adult to not pull yes. the punch for me. Like if I grow my hair out, everything's gonna be yes. dandy. Man. And and so, that that was me learning. That was me. Like, no one could tell me that this was going to happen. I just learned. And then I was like, well, let's just make that go away. Uh, And then just, like, again, survive. But here's the thing is that uh, my summer between my junior and senior year, I grew it back because I I had the kind of self-confidence, the self-love. I needed to grow as a person to say, I know who I am. And also, it helps that uh, I was a ridiculously good basketball player at (laughs) that point, too. Like... Dunking on kids yes. during, during basketball games, uh, oh, ridiculously. Uh, I, I had gotten pretty good at that point, and so you know man, that, I was okay with that kind yeah. of the, the eyes on me.
0: Man, that is. I talk about being a tourist in this situation. Sure. Like I just can't even. Because I. Are stories, like me doing the same thing, traveling with basketball, mm-hmm. playing different places in mm-hmm. the Midwest, in, in Nebraska, I-80, the whole deal. Right. And I'm, I couldn't, I cannot imagine in, like, people yelling racial slurs. It made
2: my fellow players and coaches so uncomfortable. They literally could not uh, address it. My yeah. coaches never stood up for me. My fellow players never mm. stood up for me.
0: How it did that make you feel?
2: Uh, like, really abandoned uh, and alone. Like, really, like... Oh, man. I am alone here. I am different. No one is going to help me. Yeah. I hope this doesn't result in violence. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's not like... I'm thinking less about my peers and thinking, like, if I get jumped mm-hmm. by the team or people yeah. after this game... Because even when I was younger, I was still really good, but I matured a lot as a basketball player my, from my freshman year to my senior year. Like, I was always coming away having scored the most points on either team, mm-hmm. almost every game. And I didn't want it to be the kind of situation where, like, they were going to retaliate on me physically. Yeah. Because as a nine, something I know about myself, I'm a pacifist. Okay. I have a hard time even thinking about being violent to another person in any context, yeah. myself. I yeah. certainly recognize that there's violence in the world. If I was being assaulted or something like that, it would be the kind of thing where I would defend myself just enough to either incapacitate them, yeah, but do the just least just, amount of harm. Yeah,
0: don't just neutralize the situation. Literally,
2: like, run away if yeah, I could. Right. Would yeah. be, like, my first yeah. reaction. And, yeah. like, I've been in one fight and uh, I didn't have a choice in it and yeah. then it was, like, done. Yeah. And because I... I'm uh, diffusing situations, charming yes, my way out of situations, yes. has been I'm my wi- prerogative, yep. and has served I'm me with well. Yeah, you know, and so I, it's never come to blows, really. Even as an adult, like even if someone's shouting in my face, is just my favorite thing to do is to neutralize that with like kindness. Mm. Is just to be like, why are. What's yeah, up, man? Yeah. Why are you doing this right now? Sounds
0: like you got something on your mind. Do yeah. you want
2: to share it? Uh, yeah, let's talk about. Yeah, if this. you can,
0: if you can verbalize you, you wanna it. You want to get a if, drink? Yeah. let's like
2: go somewhere to grab yes. a drink, man. Yeah, you know, in yeah. my tree. Yeah. like some guy
0: was heckling me at a show, and I ended up buying him a drink afterwards. So yeah. Just so we could talk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So
2: yeah, totally. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person that's like chomping uh, at the bit to just yeah. like exert my physicality over someone, or even oh, being man. like, test me, man. That's yeah. not me. I don't not like and again if we talk about uh, ideals ideas of like uh, blackness and male blackness specifically is another reason why I think a lot of my perspectives are not so mm. popular in that arena ooh that was a way earlier point that I was going to make so around yeah. like patriotism like needing to embrace that in in ideas of um uh the gender rights and um and feminism and Black Lives Matter uh, you know colorism like this idea of we're patriotic, too, Mm. that just as patriotic as you are, that kneeling at the flag is not an act of disrespect to the flag. It's actually honoring our tradition of protest in the United States, as Mm. old as the Tea Party. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tea Party. Um, But something that we're participating in now, it, it means that, you know, Martin Luther King said it best, and he actually said it on the U of M campus, uh, which is another speech I got to write which was super fun but it was, it was, was. he was addressing this idea of patriotism it's that critiquing America is an act of love that hmm. I, I don't just love America I, I want to see it better I want to see it succeed and trying to say the kinds of things that we need to to get it to the point that it can be the country that I know it to be that I know yeah. it can be is is a sacrifice I'm willing to make if I gotta be the bad diet guy for a time or permanently whatever man yeah. you know it doesn't matter I'm not afraid of that
0: yeah. because I know who I am that's yeah. that self
2: love thing um, but patriotism um, with this idea of breaking down traditional gender roles uh, something I know you don't have much perspective on but there's there's absolutely like white masculinity but there's also black masculinity which mm. is in and of itself is a very toxic thing that I'm sure that you can listen to when you listen to any popular rap song mm. You know, these, these like, ingrained ideas of uh, misogyny and violence and yeah. consumerism that's just, like, this is in no way valuable to me. And yep. I know that that's not going to earn me points yep. when I move to L.A. Yep. Uh, or, you know, I've not even become, but, you know, you give me a platform, I, I will 100% say and have people attack yes. me. Because, I mean, things like... Just because of who I am. Yeah. I remember when I would visit my family in Kansas City, you know, you, don't, you, you talk white, you don't talk black. You know, all of these things, uh, like, I I can't imagine that, how
0: confusing that would be.
2: Dude. I mean, like, people call you Uncle Tom, people call you all these things, and the thing is that I love black people just as much as any black person does or otherwise, yeah. you know, so I'm not worried about, you know, being called all these things when the effort that I know I'm ultimately making is towards making everything better. Yes. So being unafraid, I'm not the hero Gotham needs, (laughs) or Blackness, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm the one it deserves. Like if that's the if that's the role I got to play in this, as far as like, you know, I I wasn't afraid of Tucker Carlson. I was like, I would just like to be lucid when it happens. You know,
0: (laughs) man, I I think that's so cool your your perspective on like, I'm not I'm not the person. But I am, I am me, and so I'm gonna say my voice. I'm yeah. just so fascinated with this thought. Love yourself, embrace that You have something to say, mm-hmm. and I just, I even, it's just funny how when you're talking about black masculinity, something, mm-hmm. something as no matter how many people I talk to, I will never fully understand. Sure. Uh, Something With that, that being,
2: <laughs> even black people don't understand, honestly, yeah. and, and they don't understand the way it affects them or their yeah. culture, yeah. the way that they see each other. Yeah, you know, I would say yeah. that there's there's some black intellectuals that are trying to get a grasp on it. Yeah, um, but even then, I mean, the thing about um, systems and the way that we raise people is it's always one of those things that's constantly changing and fluctuating so there can only ever be an investigation not a conclusion yes. yeah <laughs> but yeah okay this, this no this is what
0: this <laughs> that that's, yeah that's true um okay earlier we talked about you you mentioned it is not someone's responsibility mm-hmm. to educate you in this situation sure. so on the one side of someone that needs to be educated that needs to be more open less uh Let's polarize. Well, all these things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, that was an awesome advice of like, get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Embrace that. Now, in today's conversation with the world, there's also the other side of the side of people that have something to say. Sure. But are saying it so aggressively. Sure. That you are not. And you were even talking about violence earlier. And right. I almost think of like negative violent language that sure. is around us all the time. I'm wondering if you have insight or thoughts on... Uh, I'm just curious about what it what it takes to change someone's mind. Your language seems to be it lets defensive guards down. Mm. If you are on the side of saying, man, we we need to be more open. We need to be more diverse. Like, and you want to convince people of mm-hmm. this love. How do we? How do you hold yourself? And that's I don't know if that makes sense. Like on the sure. other side of convincing people, how do you change someone's mind? What yeah, goes you that? have a
2: couple of different parts to your question. So yeah. you know, along the lines of. How can we, from opposite sides of this conversation, connect? I think that no conversation happens without respect. Mm. And not just self-respect, but like respect for whomever you're talking to. If you genuinely come into a conversation feeling like you're right and there's nothing that anyone can say to convince you otherwise, that is absolutely a person that I will tell them like, no, I'm not going to have a conversation with you because... Um, you're you're not listening to me. Yeah. Like why? If I'm going to listen to you, mm. but you don't want to listen to me, this isn't going to be a productive conversation. Um, yeah. Why, yeah. I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I love I love the
0: the self filtering of like um, uh, no, no, no no I won't go that. <laughs> I have recent
2: examples that I won't use uh, because they're personal family ones. Uh, but uh, what I would say is this, you know, hmm. if. So it starts with mutual respect, saying that, you know, we will have a conversation. I will treat you the way that I hope you will treat me. Mm. And that's the place that we're going to have the conversation from. Then you can have a a good conversation. Another thing that you should be prepared for is to have opposite opinions on a particular topic. It's okay to disagree. We can disagree and still respect each other. You think that money should be handled this way. I think it should be handled that way. We can mm. do that on a national perspective as far as, you know, mm. fiscal responsibility. Yeah, I can do it in my own house, in my marriage.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if yeah. we're not okay with the idea that yeah. I think that we should buy a TV and she's like, we're about to move. Yeah, we Don't want to move yeah. a TV and then we won't have that money yeah. in case we need it. Yeah, You know, then... I would say agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would hopefully see eventually yeah. like that conversation would come to an understanding. Yeah. But it, it, then if you disagree, it's okay. Yeah. And to maybe address that conversation later when, after you've molded over some more. That, that just because a person has an opposite view... Now, I will say within that that there are some absurdist perspectives. Mm-hmm. As an example, I recall a conversation once a long time ago when I say a long time, I mean a few years. Uh, now no. it was between now. Disavowed Tommy Laren, Laren, L- 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 Tommy. I don't even. Know I'm not name. for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's the funny. young blonde yes. lady that yeah. is a pundit for uh, like a conservative right. She was on um, the Daily Show, um, and you know the two had a conversation, <laughs> and. And one person's perspective was like a really violent sort of people shouldn't be allowed to or have a right to exist in certain spaces. Whereas the other person had to then have the position of like absolutely those people should be allowed to be there to like live. Uh, And you know, so there are absurdist conversations where it's like, that's not where we should begin the conversation at is, is, At the right to... And the sanctity of life. Yeah. As long as you are starting with, I think, some mutual understandings around the value of people, Hmm. the value of resources, of the planet, of money, of education, as long as you are starting from what I would say are reasonable principles, that's when a productive Mm. conversation can happen. But I would say that that conversation, I remember people came away and they were like, this is how it should always be. And I was like, this was an absurdist argument. One person saying that these people should not be allowed to, and the other person's like, absolutely. Like, that's not, I don't want to begin the conversation there. I want to begin the conversation at, how can we get along? How can you understand me and how can I understand you? Like, if you think that we shouldn't be allowed, then let's agree that I should, in the very least, have the ability to have that same access to the things that you have access to. And that I am also entitled to be able to, like, I don't know, make a living wage. Or yes. have access to, like, yes. if I'm sick and they got medicine in there, can't you just, like, let me in there? <laughs> Help me out. And just like let me have the men you're gonna let me die. Okay. All right. That's not I'd rather not start the conversation. (laughs) You know, things like that. So I would say that first, it begins with mutual respect. The second is, like, what conversation we're having. Is it absurd to actually have that kind of perspective? Whales don't deserve to live, kill all of yeah, them. Yeah. Our earth is gonna last forever. Like, yeah, these yeah. are all things that are finite. We can't start the conversation there. Yeah. So I think that there is a certain reasonableness that, like, the conversation needs to be begun from. The other thing, as far as convincing People of your side is having thought through it yourself. There's a lot of people mm. out there that have opinions on things that they're entirely unqualified to have, yeah. uh, and we can yeah. blame a lot of different things. You know, th- there is a lot of reasons that people are very mistrusting of the media, and that's that's an earned right, mm. frankly. Is that I think that you know the media is an industry like any other, and that they are trying to make money any way that they know how, especially because honestly the media like music has felt a lot of pressure to be able to make money at an age where it's like they're reinventing their business model continuously and that desperation leads to a certain sort of well this guy's making us money so we need to give him the platform Ah. because this is going to get us where we need to go yeah and it's so it's paralleling what's happening with the music industry and so i have i simultaneously have mercy on the media Mm -hmm. for feeling this desperation But at the same time, I have mercy on people for being mistrusting of that media that's making these desperate moves. Yes. And so educate yourself to our earlier point. After you've educated yourself and you've genuinely looked at it from as evenly a perspective as you can, if you're going to InfoWars, if you're going to MSNBC, if you're going to (laughs) like these polarizing opposites of the spectrum and you're getting your, your education, your resources, don't do it from Twitter. Don't do it from Reddit. Like... You have to take an investment in yourself if you're mm. wanting to actually have a conversation about this. Because it's really easy to listen to a talking head or listen to a voice on the radio and yes. come to a conclusion just that they so want you to just so much noise, have. yes. Yeah. There is a lot of noise out there because it's, a, it's yeah. really easy to put yourself out there yeah. in a way where you can influence the dialogue yeah. and the conversation. But going back to um, how to convince someone is after you have that, genuinely listen to what they're saying. Mm my wife's parents are farmers and i know a lot of very poor overlooked white people whose industries have just evaporated from their towns and they're given all sorts of scapegoats Mm -hmm. that reinforce the system of the one percent becoming the point one percent that Mm -hmm. like have 99 percent of the wealth they're all fitting into that and it's not even like with their knowledge, like they—they're they're being played as a part of their fear, their desperation. They're yeah. being activated into these things that ultimately aren't good for them. Yeah. I don't think that they're unintelligent. I think that they are honestly being manipulated. That they are being deliberately the wool pulled over their eyes. And I would say that about um, you know poor poor people of color who have that progressive candidate that comes in just in time for canvassing, and then disappears for two years, Yeah, you know, until it's time to canvass again. It's like, hey, I'm back, buddy. (laughs) And it's like, you said you were gonna do these things, and all of these things are are still wrong with our community. It's happening on both ends of the spectrum. And so, once you educate yourself in these things, and you have the knowledge, just genuinely listen to the things that that person is struggling Mm. with. If you dismiss them as uh, either not fitting into your understanding of the world. Or if you dismiss them as, um, you know, something wrong with that individual. For an example, uh, a mistrust of of legal authority. You know, that's not something that just black people have, that's something that poor white people have. I know white people that treat Poor white people worse than they treat people of color and women. It's which I don't think that either of those groups no. are any more or less deserving. Uh, it's just like okay, if it's not, uh, why, I'm how?
0: not laughing because it's funny. By the way, I'm laughing at the absurdity. It's absurdity. absurdity. It's absurdity.
2: It. That's what's. It's the yes. irony is so thick, it, it, you laugh to keep from crying. And so, if you're if you're even trying to tell them about things like that, don't do it with an air of arrogance, um, but it, informative. Yeah. Do it with. A, a way where you're speaking about nothing but your own yeah. experiences because it's really hard for someone to argue with you yeah. if they're telling you what you experienced mm. and that's the, one of the things that I do with my stage act Reverend yeah. Doctors, I'm not talking about racism, I'm yeah. talking about my personal experience with racism yes. Because
0: no one can argue with that. Yeah.
2: If you embrace your story, you are the expert. Yeah. No one can be like, no, you. That didn't happen. Absolutely. Well, screw you. When I you make it. generalizations, when you yes. make um, blanket statements, when you make uh, when you don't leave an out, when you don't leave people, when you say all white yes. people dot dot dot, when you say all black people dot dot dot, when you say all women dot dot dot, when you yep. say trans people dot dot dot. Whenever you say things like that, you're setting yourself up for dismissal. Mm. Actually, uh, hyperbole has no place, I think, in any intelligent conversation. I have a real oh. big problem with her hyperbole. Yes. Just because I'll hear people be like, it was the most awesome thing ever. And I'll be like, that's a strong statement <laughs> yeah. in my top ten. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah. I'm all about hyperbole. You're telling me <laughs> Power Rangers the movie is yeah. in your top ten yeah. favorite movies. I like Power Rangers the movie. I think that has a lot yeah. of value to me as an individual. Yes. Top ten movies. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, man. I'm going to fight but, you yeah, on that. Yeah.
0: Like, we're going to have a conversation. Literally, the, I will probably tell people, literally the greatest conversation in my life. Really? Is that about... Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. As of right now, in this moment, that's my <laughs> yeah. thought, uh, Absolutely. I'm the worst at that. I'm, uh, Just like I mean, that. I'm the worst at that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it, that's also a cultural yeah. thing. I think that right now with the internet, with all of these different examples that we're given, it's really hard. I... I as in, I was an English major in college, yes. as a person that was you, uh, focuses on language and how it's used and how mm. it influences systems of power. Being mindful of the way that we use language is really valuable to yeah. me because I always need to know what we're talking about so we can have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. so yes. so I yes. always investigate first. Yes. That's another thing. Oh, there's uh, a, there's I'm, an additional I'm, point man, like along I'm, with listening I is investigating. That. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you some know. questions, and What are we what are we okay, talking about? You just had that statement, but do you mean this or do yes. you mean this? Just we just go, so go I'm three clear. different ways with it. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm the
0: king of asking a question that uh, has no focus. It could go four.
2: Absolutely, you're curious and you're investigating further. But oftentimes, I found like having conversations with people and persuading them, asking them to have a clear stance on their perspective, um. os- oftentimes pokes ho- holes in their own mind about the particular mm. issue. Because when you're talking to people day to day, a lot of people haven't really thought out about what they feel and why. Because people have a very emotional response to things, which is okay. That's how we're built.
0: And we live in a world where it's so much easier now to have an unthought out opinion. Right. It's so easy. You can enter in a conversation without any blood, guts, or sweat yeah. by doing it anonymously on, uh, on Facebook. Yeah. And just be like, well, I'll type in my opinion that I've never thought <laughs> more than three seconds out of my the life. That lives out there now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm contributing, society. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, there was another part to your question after, how do um, you convince someone of hey, your your thought-out
0: thing, before we get to that, your thought-out thing makes me think of a conversation I had with I interviewed a buddy of mine named Jordan Sirock, uh-huh. and one of his things is when he's listening to podcasts in the car. Oftentimes, if it's a new thought he's never thought of before, he'll pause it and he will have conversations with himself out loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where because he says, "I want to vocalize it because I have, it needs to be external for sure. him." he's an auditory. And so I'm going to talk about it out loud so I can form my thoughts just yeah. in case I ever need to share it. Right. I want to have. Thought about it before, anyways. Yeah. So, I, so I think what you're saying, the, the think through something and have a formed opinion. is Oh yeah, great. I'm the same way yeah. too.
2: Like after, like oh, it's, when listening to podcasts, it's the worst because I wish that I always had someone next to me to like have a dialogue about something that they, they yes. drop. I've been really yes. enjoying the liturgist podcast oh too much because uh, I really resonate with it as an individual. But um, one of the oh. things that they were discussing was how. Uh, and it was just brief. Like it wasn't even the point of what she yes. said. It was yeah, yeah. so brief. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, about uh, gender roles. It was about they had one really recently about masculinity. Yes. And they. Yes. She, uh. she mentioned that I want a man that's taller. You know, I and it was just that was that, was that quick. Is yes. that quick? And the things I know we're both tall guys, but yeah. it always felt weird to me, and it still feels weird to me that you know women have a you must be this tall to ride this ride kind of mentality <laughs> like yeah. like there's not like if you're not taller than me by yeah. this much then I'm not yeah. talking to you and as a tall guy like I've never necessarily felt threatened by that but I would think for my shorter cooler friends like that's not fair you should yeah. totally be allowed to yes to like this is a great person with a lot of yes. but it, it, they, their point was that that idea of needing to feel smaller and protected and all of these things actually fits into this continuum of toxic masculinity. Yeah. And, and that was something yeah. that, like, in that moment, I really wanted to talk yeah. out loud. Yes, you're like, and just, the worst where is somebody thing, here? I came home, and uh, my wife was there, and
0: uh, she, I, I, I love I'd her, and she loves
2: this. me, but she hates talking with me about things like that. Like, yes. that's not the person to have conversations yes. like that about. You know, uh, yeah. she's just like, I, this is boring. Can I go now? It's yes. like uh, all the expressions on her face. Do you face. ever
0: have it where you, I, so many times I almost want uh, my wife, Sarah to be, I want to mm-hmm. be like, here's, here's this, epi- literature yeah. does it to me yeah. all the time. i yeah. yeah. like, can you, do you mind to like listen to this? I know it's like three hours long, but can I, you listen to this? <laughs> I, and then, so, 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 so then you listen and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Cause I start talking about it. I'm like, well, you actually don't know what I'm talking about. Cause you haven't listened yeah. to it yet. So yeah. of course the conversation is even more boring for you because yeah. it's
2: one sided. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's. Man, you, you should just call me now instead, and yeah, I'll talk I mean, to you about it. Yeah, man, we'll the, dissect it.
0: Oh man, dude, I want to be. I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. So let's wrap up with this. Sure. Dude, just in the sense, man, I'm so thankful that you're willing Thank to you get together. Me. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm you, glad it worked out. I feel okay. This is what this is a big thing. I didn't know it's we were talk so personal... much about
2: race, gender equality. Oh man, I know. Thought I Thought we were going to talk about music.
0: I know. Me too. <laughs> uh, I love. I love that you're open. So here's here's a, here's a couple takeaways from sure. me personally. Number one. The thought that uh, I do want to acknowledge that you as uh, someone of color or whatever, any, anybody else in their own scenario that we were talking about, it's not their job to educate everyone. No, it's not. I, I know that, but man, I am so thankful that you are willing because I, I am so ignorant in so many of these areas, so I'm just willing that number one, you've taken the time to to like think through your thoughts, sure, so that you ha- you can eloquently say something that I can like I can listen digest. to. And digest. It's
2: <laughs> just like
0: oh, I like, get oh that. I've never thought of that before, <laughs> man. So I'm just like so in the sense of man, your nineness and your the sense of you being this bridge is so mm. huge, man. Mm. I'm just so thankful that you're open about that
2: because in the sense of it not being your responsibility, sure. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm willing to take from... the responsibility, but yes, it is not anyone who is like that. It's not their responsibility, yes, right? Yes, one hundred percent. And man, if something... anyone wants to email or text me <laughs> yes. or write me uh, at my website or whatever, and yes. we can, I will have that conversation with you. As long uh, as, again, it's not in that area where it's like, people shouldn't live, yes. and then it's, no, we're not going to have I
0: really hope this, enc- I mean, this encourages me in the sense of, and even we talked about that, the tourism. Mm-hmm. Like, i said, ah, there's so much, this is so awesome. Uh, the, another big thing is, I naturally, in my two-ness, uh, I am uncomfortable with uncomfortability, in the Ooh. sense. I always want to, like, let's have the conversation be light, let's not dive into, but I feel like this conversation has really helped me want to dive into uncomfortable conversations and disagree like that's to we like, disagree man. yes yeah. this, oh man i that's something I that may be taking away from yeah, this. Dude, that's so awesome it's crazy that you and i right now we live i mean what is it tw- 20 blocks from each other True. 30 or something yeah. like that whatever it is like we've li- we've lived in a city and somehow we've just missed each other's circle in a city where sure. everybody knows everybody yeah we, I, i'm i'm got together with you a week before you're leaving or yep. days before now days. Uh, yeah. man. so i close on my
2: house in two days from oh
0: there. dude okay well we i mean we have to stay in contact yeah. i i'm yeah I like i love said that. intellectual things yes. really like
2: i need to know about this like let's, let's that. have that uh, conversation
0: man done and done if okay uh, I want to make sure if someone wants to keep up or like contact you are like social media or yes. like where's the best place to contact uh, you? The
2: place that I'm most prolific as far as releasing new just content yeah, about the band is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know why... I'm I terrible at Twitter. I do yeah. have a Twitter. I should probably yeah. take it down because I just my Twitter suck is at just tweeting. links
0: to my Instagram whenever I post
2: something. That's all it does. As far as um, what is your
0: Instagram handle? Uh,
2: my Instagram handle is underscore Reverend Doctor. Yeah, I believe. I'll link all
0: this stuff in the yeah. show
2: notes. Um, so it's at underscore Reverend Doctor. Apparently, Reverend yeah. Doctor was taken probably by an actual minister. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
0: <laughs> so uh,
2: I would imagine I'm gonna uh, let them take yeah, that. That's yeah, fine. Be, yeah. I'll be the underscore. Exactly. Uh, Actually, a
0: minister and studied medicine. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah. About, yeah. He's, he's, he's way better at life down. than yeah. I am. Let's yeah. just say
2: that. Uh, so, uh, underscore Reverend Doctor is like probably the best way to keep in touch with like news and events and updates and places that I go and things that I see and do. As yeah. far as um, just general information about the band, mm-hmm. I would say my Facebook is most up to date about yeah. the news. My website is going to be the most polished presentation yeah. of what I have. To I mean, just because Facebook's it, yeah. a mess, it's it just. Mess. I mean, a little... it's a necessary evil I I will be honest with you right now if I didn't have a musical act, I would 100% not be on You'd, Facebook. No question. I would be the exact Benus same way It require is. you to have it if yeah. you're gonna get booked anywhere because a yeah. large part of it is like they look at marketing like how many fans does this person yeah. have in this area Yeah you know and so it's it's really useful for them. same thing with Spotify, which is okay yeah. but um, as far as I would say uh, the most intentional, like my wife's a graphic designer yeah. and we've thought about every part of Reverend Doctor and I would say, the website, which is just ReverendDoctorMusic.com, yeah. um, is is probably the best way to keep in touch. You can become a part of the email yeah. list there. I do send out email blasts, yeah. not regularly. I would yeah. say like once every like month to two months yeah i'm not about spam i hate it when people Dude. are like yeah. here's
0: my cat
2: i'm like yeah. oh i love cats i'll I show do. up to your
0: instagram why are you emailing me this right, right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah if you want to see that stuff that's my instagram yeah. everyone's used to like yeah. being noise in there but i'm not gonna flood oh, your that's inbox funny. i mean yeah. being in it you gotta have respect yeah. for people's inboxes
0: Right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com/map, or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. <laughs> Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is The Rob Morgan. At the Rob Morgan, whatever. You you you, you know the drill. Alright, enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, <laughs> I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey,
1: Hopi, can I steal you for a second?
0: Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness?
1: I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right,
0: that's it, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I love that crap. Alright, have a great week, see you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> I got
1: nothing.
0: Say the most random thing you can think of. No. Yell it. I got
1: nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. high. <laughs> Perfect.